Welcome back to yet another cantankerous episode of Rock and Roll History, the podcast where we stage dive headfirst into all the hits, misses, and often overlooked songs and stories throughout the history of rock and roll. I'm your host, Barry Manilow. But who cares? Come on, everybody. Let's rock and roll. Before we get going today, I just want you all to know that we are now live and available across all platforms. You can now find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're having trouble finding our show just on your desired listening place, wherever it is, just let me know. Shoot me an email at rnrhistorypod at gmail.com, and I'll get it sorted out for you. I'll continue to update the website, rockandrollhistory.com as well, so you can always find the shows there. Wow, I can't believe we made it, guys. We're legit now, baby. Woo! Okay, now on with the show. Today's story takes place December 1st, 1976. Jimmy Carter has just defeated incumbent Gerald Ford in the election for President of the United States, becoming the first candidate from the Deep South to win since the Civil War. The Sex Pistols had just recently signed with EMI and released their debut single, Anarchy in the UK. Fidel Castro was about to be named president of Cuba. And of course, Elvis Presley was about to start a string of shows in Las Vegas, only to be disrupted by one Jerry Lee Lewis who appeared outside the gates of his Graceland home early one morning, brandishing a gun, claiming he was there to kill Elvis. Despite saying it was only a joke, Jerry Lee was quickly arrested. Our story today follows our rock and roll anti-hero named Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders was the guitar player for the band The New York Dolls. Both subjects deserve their own entire episodes, and if you want to hear those, then send me an email. If I hear enough from you, uh, I'll consider doing it sooner than I'm planned. So Johnny Thunders has just quit and disbanded the amazing and glamorous band The New York Dolls, taking drummer Jerry Nolan with him. They weren't too happy with their manager, Malcolm McLaren, a fashionista of sorts who was mostly known for running a clothing boutique called Sex with his girlfriend, Vivian Westwood. Johnny and Jerry would go on to form a band called The Heartbreakers, which would, was, they would tour around the United States with. During this time, Malcolm McLaren was back in England, taking everything he learned from his time with the Dolls and was concocting up a scheme. This scheme is what you all now know today as The Sex Pistols a band he named after Male Anatomy and his clothing store. Sex Pistols should also have their own episode, so if you want to hear it, email people. Email, email, email. Okay. Here's a quote from Malcolm about this time. The new generation would soon enter my store and want to be part of it. These young, sexy assassins would help spread the word. They became my Sex Pistols. Sexy, young, subversive and stylish boys, anti-music, anti-everything. They would form my critique, help dress a new army of disaffected youth. I gathered my art school friends to help me plot the downfall of this tired and fake culture. This plan was working, and now the Sex Pistols had a real live record deal. So Malcolm's already on to his next scheme, attempting to take these young men to the next level.
now at this point, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers are touring around the States looking for a record deal. They're not having much success and are having internal issues with their band members. Richard Hell, a man who also deserves his own episode, was their bass player, but butting heads with Johnny on the creative direction of the band. Richard tries to kick Johnny out, but instead the whole band quits on Richard and then they restart up again with a new bass player named Billy Rath. Around this time is when Malcolm decides to call up Johnny Thunders and he pitches him an idea, what is now notoriously known as the Anarchy Tour. The Anarchy Tour would be a traveling punk show that would go throughout England and Europe, 19 dates to promote the up-and-coming Sex Pistols with their new single and album in the works. Other bands in the support slots would, of the shows would be The Damned, The Clash, and as Malcolm hoped, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Although Johnny Thunders is a little reluctant, but seeing it as an opportunity to maybe land his record deal, he agrees, and it's now real. The Anarchy Tour is happening, and it's all about to go down. To get an understanding of Johnny's thoughts on the tour at this time, here's a clip I found of Johnny being interviewed outside CBGB's drinking beer and smoking cigarettes with fellow former New York Dolls bandmate David Johansson. About your upcoming European tour, it sounds very exciting. Could you give us a few details on that? Um, we're gonna go on tour with a band called the Sex Pistols and the Damned. We're gonna um, uh, do all of England, all over the small cities, Liverpool, Manchester, etc., etc., etc. And how about the larger cities like London? Yeah, and, uh, Manchester, London, Paris. You know, we're gonna hit all of them. I see. Um, and uh, can you tell us something about this? Uh, these bands that you'll be touring with? I think they're real cute. That's all I know about them. Really. I haven't heard I've seen their pictures. You haven't heard them. I hear that the, this group, the Sex Pistols, are uh, are uh, outfitted by one of London's top clothiers. Oh, you must be talking about Malcolm McLaren. Yes. <laughs> Is that the truth? Yeah. He's the neatest. He's real, really got an eye. He, almost, he managed me for about two weeks. He really got an eye. Oh, and you too. <laughs> Get any good clothes? Yeah. Good. We, because, uh, we don't want to be wasting time here in our, in our lives as we go along. So, um, are you looking forward to this uh, European yeah. experience? Yeah. I've been in two years is Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been to Europe before. Yeah. You know, you went with me. I know, but this is for our uh, oh. viewers. <laughs> Excuse me. I thought we were alone at last. So do you, do you enjoy Europe? Are you looking forward to going? Yeah. I really can't wait. I see. Okay. So uh, what other plans have you got for the Heartbreakers? Any recording plans coming well, up? Well, we, we don't even know if we're going to be called the Heartbreakers because um, <coughs> there's a new band. I don't know if they're new. They're relatively new. about six months old. They're called Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And um, we might change our name to the Headbreakers and go visit them. I see. Um, I brought this with me. You can really hear the excitement in his voice. This clip is so cool that I can't not share it, and I'll have it posted up on the website. So now it's December 1st, 1976, and the Heartbreakers just touched down in London, England, ready to embark on the Anarchy Tour, which is supposed to start the next day. At this exact same time, the Sex Pistols luck out and have managed to land a television interview on Bill Grundy's show to promote their upcoming tour. This interview wasn't even supposed to happen, because the interview slot originally belonged to Freddie Mercury, who was an EMI label mate. But because Freddie wasn't feeling well, EMI decides to give the spot to the Pistols in order to get enough eyes on the band to hype up the tour and make sure it's a success. But this is the first of many things that were about to go disastrously wrong. 
What's about to transpire is technically all Freddie Mercury's fault. So thanks, Freddie. So after having a band practice, the Pistols arrive at the BBC station with some of their friends, including Susie Sue. And according to Steve Jones, the guitar player of the Pistols, they had a few too many drinks in the green room before going live on air. The Queen pulled out, because they were on EMI, and you're, and you're going to do this uh, TV show. By the time we went out there, I was, we were all... Well, I don't know about the others, I didn't really notice if they were drinking or not. I was pretty fucking lit. So the Sex Pistols are already up to no good and they're about to go live on air. And I'm warning you now, warning. If you're not familiar with it, this next clip contains some swear words, and if you're with your little ones or you're at work, be advised. A punk rockers. The new craze, they tell me. They're heroes, not the nice, clean Rolling Stones. You see, they're as drunk as I am. They're clean by comparison. They're a group called the Sex Pistols, and I'm surrounded now by all of them just let us see the Sex Pistols in action. I am told that that group have received £40,000 from a record company. Doesn't that seem uh, to be slightly opposed to their anti-materialistic view of life? Uh, or... More than Marion. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, tell me more about it. You're fucking spent, haven't <laughs> I don't know, have you? Yeah, yeah. it's all gone. Really? Yep. 40... Really? Good Lord. Now, oh, I want to know gosh, one thing. What? Are you serious? Or are you just making it, no, trying to make gone. me laugh? It's gone. Really? Yeah. No, but I mean about what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You, you are serious? Mm. Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, and Browns have all died. Bars, they? Really? Oh, what what, what, what are we saying, sir? wonderful people. Are they? Oh, yes. They really turn us on. What do they do? Well, <laughs> suppose they turn other people on. That's just their task, George. It's what? Nothing. A rude word. Next question. No, no. What was the rude word? Shit. Was it really? Good heavens. You frightened me to death. Oh, all right. What about you girls behind? You've got your dad, isn't he, Skeeter? Are you, uh... He's <laughs> your granddad. Are you worried, or are you just enjoying yourself? Enjoying myself. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's what I thought you were doing. I always wanted to meet you. Did you really? Yeah. We'll meet afterwards, shall we? <laughs> yeah. You dirty son. <laughs> you dirty old man. Well, keep going, Chief. Keep going. <laughs> Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Say something outrageous. You dirty bastard. Go on, again. <laughs> you dirty fucker. What a clever boy. What a yeah. fucking rotter. Well, that's it for tonight. The other rocker, Abel, and I'm saying nothing else about him, will be back tomorrow. I'll be seeing you soon. I hope I'm not seeing you again. From me, though, good night. Yeah, so in 1976, you'd think those words had never been heard before. The press would blow this wildly out of proportion, and the Anarchy Tour was already off to a great start. So the next day, all the bands and managers, roadies all meet up on a tour bus ready to kick off the tour. The Sex Pistols are making headlines. The Filth and the Fury is the most famous headline from this time. The general population were afraid of the Sex Pistols' sheer recklessness, and they feared their effects that the, their presence would have on the youth of England. Not a good look in EMI's eyes. The first show of the tour was scheduled at the University of East Anglia in Norwich on Friday, December 3rd, 1976. The flyers for the night advertised the show as a punk rock evening. But before the bands could even arrive, the school's vice chancellor, Dr. Frank Thistlewaite, banned it on grounds of protecting the safety and security of persons and property. Many of the other shows that were scheduled, would, they would also start to get canceled. 
uh, and all, all for similar reasons, much to the disdain of the bands and the managers involved. Newcastle City Hall canceled their show on the grounds that it was an interest of protecting the children. In a great article from Flashback.com, original Sex Pistols bass player Glenn Matlock is quoted remembering the time. We were getting used to the idea of spending long periods in our rooms, drinking beer, watching TV, and reading ourselves in the papers. Everybody thinks the Anarchy Tour was hey, 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 but it wasn't. The main thing I remember is the boredom. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. So definitely check out that article. Uh, it has so many candid photos from the tour, and it gives you a great insight of what these kids were experiencing. So finally, after a few days of sitting around hotel rooms with nothing better to do but drink beer and raise hell, the bands finally kick off the tour on a Monday, December 6th, at Leeds Polytechnic. Although the show was finally on the road, there were still many problems. The dates were sporadic, and there was infighting amongst the bands. Eventually, the dam dropped off the tour altogether and were replaced by the Manchester band Buzzcocks. Quoting Malcolm McLaren on the situation, I sacked the dam because they were no fucking good. Conversely, Captain Sensible of the dam stated in a 1996 Mojo Magazine interview, he says, When they asked us to do the tour, they needed us. We had been gigging a lot, so we had a reputation and a following. After the Grundy incident, the pistols were the big deal and really didn't need our help to sell tickets, so they dumped us. I think I believe Captain on this one. So yeah, the Anarchy Tour was an absolute mess. Out of the 19 shows they had booked, only three actually happened. There were four other shows they kind of set up on the side, but seven out of 19 wouldn't normally be called a success. But in a weird way, however, I think this tour was an absolute success. The Sex Pistols got all the PR and press headlines they could ever dream of. Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers finally got their record deal and recorded their album. Although the bands had some animosity towards each other and the upper echelons of society were looking down upon them, I think everyone ended up right where they wanted to be. Malcolm McLaren's little scheme went even better than he could have hoped. He did it. He addressed a new army of disaffected youth, and he was killing the ever-so-tired-and-fake culture that he loathed so very much. Whether the shows happened or not, it didn't really matter. The message of these young punks got out and the youth latched onto it, raising punk rock to a whole new level. The Sex Pistols would go on to be dropped by EMI, but got picked up by Virgin and released their epic of an album entitled Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols, complete with a Johnny Thunders diss track. It's track 10, side 2, and the song's titled New York. Johnny Thunder and the Heartbreakers would rebuttal with their own diss track while they were recording their studio album. The song's called London Boys, and he goes off on the Pistols and mentions their manager. It's a pretty neat little side story, and I recommend listening to them both back-to-back. -back. I won't mention the lyrics here because it wouldn't be acceptable today, but I highly recommend checking them out when you have the chance. I'll have them both linked on the site. So all in all, the Anarchy Tour was successful, depending how you look at it. I have no idea what the message of this episode is, if there even is one. I guess what we can take away from this one is that music can convey ideas, uh, you don't need to have these huge concerts to spread a message or a feeling. Punk rock is reactionary music of the times, and it reflects the frustration of the youth. So we should make note of this important time and be thankful for all the barriers that those kids helped break down, even if it was only for three or seven shows-ish. If you have a will, there is always a way.
So that concludes another episode of Rock and Roll History. And I know how some of you young dumb punks take this folklore so seriously. So if I got anything wrong, feel free to send me an email and I will correct it. But in the meantime, just keep on remembering to rock and roll!